the greatest nation on earth. Praise the Lord. When I think about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we're one year closer, one day closer, there's a prophecy that has to be fulfilled until the Lord, so the Lord can return. And that prophecy is that everyone on earth will hear the gospel message. One of the things that makes our nation so great is the fact that we send out more missionaries throughout the world than any other country. That's such a feather in the cap. I think that's why God has blessed the United States so abundantly. What makes it even greater is that you and I, we're not going out to other countries, but God left us here, the church, to be a witness and to lead people to Christ who haven't heard or maybe haven't had the opportunity or maybe have but haven't taken the opportunity yet to become part of the family of God. And so that's our privilege and honor. That's why God is blessing this church so richly. That's why you are going to need more room than you've uh, had in times past. I, I was here uh, for the first service on Christmas Eve. I was glad I got here early because I'd have been sitting on the floor down here somewhere. And that's just a, um, evidence of things to come, ways in which God is going to bless the outreach of this church. So as we keep that in mind for 2017, kind of the messages go along that way, uh, things that we could do, um, things that we could change in our life that would make us a better witness for Christ. So we're going to look at the message today and follow along quickly. The first one is short. In fact, the uh, actual verse that it's coming from is just three words. So how long can this message be? We'll take a look. Here we go. Stop looking back. One of the things I'll tell you is that you can't drive a car by looking back. That's why they put this big windshield in front and a wee little rearview mirror. You kind of check back in the rearview mirror now and then to see any lights are coming after you. But uh, really, most of the time, 99% of the time, you're looking straight ahead, out through the windshield. That's how you drive the car. And so we're going to look at Scripture that will help us to understand that. Here we go. Luke chapter 17, verses 31 through 36. In that day... He which shall be upon the housetop, and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Here's the three-word message. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you that in that day, in that night, there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. And so we're going to get ready 
actually for the rapture. That's a word in the Bible that designates the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ is really in two parts. First, he comes for the church, and then later he comes to establish his kingdom in this world. And so, getting ready for the rapture. These are Jesus' instructions. He gives us these words so that we will be ready for the rapture. If you're on the housetop, don't go back into the house to get your thing. There's a sense of urgency here. You don't go back to try to find something because you don't want to miss the second coming. You don't want to miss the rapture. You want that. Well, you don't need any of that stuff. The stuff that we have on earth at the rapture, we don't take it with us. I miss my dad dearly, but everything that was in his house when he passed away stayed. There's no way to take it along. In fact, if you remember the movie Left Behind, when people were taken out, remember the plane was flying and one of the, one of the pilots was taken, and then they started to look back through the plane and, 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 and other seats were missing too. Even their clothes were kind of like in a neat pile. God's got a new wardrobe for you. None of the things that you have on earth are going to be so important when the Lord returns. And I can only tell you this, it's going to be better. You're not going to regret leaving anything behind because what the Lord has in store for you is going to be beyond your fondest dream. And so, as we look at this, let's, uh, let's see what else he says. If you're in the field, don't go back to get your possessions. Can't hoard things. Can't, can't take them with you. Again, kind of like the same message. You'll lose your life if you try to preserve it and hold on to it. And so, you'll only, you'll, you will only find your life by losing. It's kind of a paradox when you... When you give your life to Christ, that's when you're going to find the meaning of life. And so we want to experience that in our daily walk. So, there's a fine line of separation. It says there are two in bed, one's taken and one is left. The idea is that uh, some will be ready to go and some will not be ready. Uh, taken out of the field in bed sleeping, grinding, taking one left, one staying. You can imagine if you're left behind and someone you really love is gone, there's a question in your mind, what happened here? And the idea is that you want to be ready to go when the Lord comes back because what you're going to is better than what you're leaving behind. In fact, when you're reading the Scripture... And it gets to the last chapter of Revelation in those final remarks that John gives. He says, even so, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. And that should be our feeling as we think about the future. Now, right in the middle of all this is that shortest verse. Remember Lot's wife. Just three words. We're... We really don't even know her name. We, we, we can't figure that out because it's not given. Not all, the, all the ideas about Lot's wife are, well, who is she? All we can do is kind of look at the Scripture and try to figure this out. 
But remember, the Lord's saying this. There's something about her that we need to know and experience in our lives. She's a nameless woman. We don't even have any idea for sure where she came from. There's no genealogy that addresses um, her heritage or or any of that. Uh, uh, she's not a prophetess. Uh, we don't believe she was. She's not like Anna. She's not a, a judge like uh, Deborah. She's not a queen like Esther. So how do we figure out what we are to remember when there's so little given in the Scripture about her? Yet here's the command. So we're going to have to take a look at some other things in the Scripture so that we can understand her. And if you're going to understand Lot's wife, you have to know something about Lot. So we're going to take a look. He's a nephew of Abraham. Remember when they left Haran? Um, Abraham's father was along, and his nephew, and, and others. There was an entourage of people that went with Abraham. Lot, his nephew, was one of those people. He's a fatherless child connected to a childless father. And when you look into um, Lot's life, you, you begin to figure things out about him. He leads a divided house against his uncle. Remember, their, their herds became so competitive that the servants were fighting over who would have the water, who, who would have the grass now. And uh, there was a struggle going on because evidently God had blessed both of them so much that there just didn't seem to be enough room for what God had blessed them with. And so he's, um, let me say this, um, in light of other scriptures that Lot had some character issues. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say he was really bad, but there were lots of things about Lot that were not good. In fact, carnal and lustful, uh, when he's given the choice about where to go, Lot looks at the land about and he sees this place called Sodom and Gomorrah, now, as hard as it is to imagine that now, it must have been a beautiful uh, pair of cities. Luscious green grass and everything that you can imagine you would want in an agricultural setting. So Lot looks one way and it's kind of arid and desert-like and he looks the other way towards Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, I'm going down there. That's where I want to go. And so he's driven by his own agenda. He's a divisive man. There are some characteristics about him that you just wouldn't want to emulate in your own life. So they part company. God, you might say, separates them. He's given the choice. He's going towards Sodom, and he's going towards Gomorrah. This is one of the mysteries of the Bible. When you look at the passage found in the New Testament, you find out some other things about Lot. In fact, the Bible calls him a righteous man. Here it is, 2 Peter 2, 7 and 9. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And so... Um, we find out the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations 
and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So there's some things about Lot when you look at it from a New Testament narrative that call him, he's at least good enough God's going to rescue him. There's characteristics in his life that uh, are quite wonderful. In fact, um, he's good enough to be entertained by angels, which brings a point. I'd like to talk about this for a moment because the Bible says we entertain angels unaware. So when you meet someone and you don't know them, why don't you think sometimes, I wonder if God sent this person into my life so they could, I could bless them or be blessed by them because God has a way of bringing people to you that you desperately need in your life. People that can help you. Angels are called ministering spirits. And you may entertain them unaware, according to the Scriptures. He's good enough to provide for them. Both he and his wife and his daughters were able to be ushered out of Sodom and Gomorrah. He's good enough to protect and defend them. Remember, the angels kept the people out that wanted to do harm both to them and, and to Lot's family, Lot himself. They were going to break down the door, but the angels struck those men in Sodom and Gomorrah with blindness. So there was a protection there that God had upon their lives. He was good enough that God was going to rescue him. And so, when you look at all this, you're looking at some of the identity that Lot's wife would have had. Lot prepares to, the, uh, to leave the city. Remember, he's escorted out. He's, um, he's told that they need to get out right away. Don't even look back. Just get out of town. And finally, when there seemed to be some procrastination... We all have a little bit of that, you know, things that God tells us we should do, but we don't do right away. We kind of wait a while. It's good to go to church on a New Year's Day. It's one of those odd times when New Year's falls on a Sunday. It just seems like we went to bed. But, uh, you know, there's a prompting there. I, I really need to go to church, and this is an opportunity to begin the new year with the Lord. It's a, a special day, a New Year's Day, a, a Sunday to boot. And yet, uh, there can be a struggle. There was a struggle for me. I, somebody was setting off fireworks at a lot, from 12 to 2 in the morning. What was that? We don't do that back home. We fire shotguns, by the way. So all those things can work against us. We can procrastinate doing what we should do. And God has a way of kind of prodding us along and getting us going the right direction. And so, you remember in the story, the angels grab their hands and begin to, as it would be, drag them out of town. The grace of God provided the opportunity for them to escape the disaster. And of course, that was a, a good thing for them. So many blessings begin with opportunity. In fact, Opportunity talks about, when you're looking at the definition, it actually refers to a, um, a place like a port. Um, the opportunity to turn your life around. Uh, 
You know, when you're looking at the great men and women of the Bible, they may live a span of um, decades upon decades. Sometimes, especially early on, they, they lived to be hundreds of years old. Methuselah was 969 years. And no one, oh, they lived a long time back then. But you can usually put within their life several events that the Bible talks about that were important opportunities for them. And how you respond to those opportunities makes all the difference in the world. Opportunities to form good habits. Opportunities to take the life you can't keep and invest it in one that you can never lose. That's the best investment in life. I'm glad the stock market's going up. I'm glad that there's a sense of optimism in our nation. But everything, remember, everything of this world you're going to leave behind. So all those things, we're stewards of the things that God has given us. And we're going to leave them all behind at one point. The word grace comes from the root signifying at port. The word opportunity comes from the root signifying at port or in the harbor. I I ride my bike across San Casa where the pool is there. And there's a connection to a park, and I ride through there. There are several bridges that go up over uh, what must be backwater, Com- coming from it's salt water, so it's coming from the Gulf somehow, getting to that point. And I was crossing the one bridge, and what I'll do is park my bike there for a moment and just look down over and see what I can see. And here a pontoon boat, first time I've ever seen this, a pontoon boat was coming up through there, and it actually had to put down the top in order to get underneath the bridge. And I looked at that, waved to the people, you know, and thinking about, ooh, you know, that's really a cool shot there. And uh, the next time I crossed over that bridge, you could have walked across that water and it would not even have made it up to your knees. You know what that is? It's the tide. The tide, I didn't know the tide had that much influence on bodies of water that are like a, a mile maybe from, from the Gulf, but it does. When the tide is high, you can go a lot further inland than other times. And so um, there's an, a, a tide in the affairs of men which taken at the flood leads to good fortune. I had this um, pastor friend back in Pennsylvania. His church was... I don't know, not, not really big, but bigger than ours. And he lives in the Greensburg area. And, and what he thought to do was to put some signs up about his church. Do you know any churches that would do that? You've got like these billboards. <laughs> he put them up in Greensburg. And pretty soon there were people coming to church. They never even knew about his church before, but they wanted to know what was going on. And they followed the signs and they came to church and... When I first came here to Englewood and to visit my parents, I saw these fellowship signs everywhere. I pull into the Walmart and there's such, I park next to cars, fellowship church, fellowship church. Merry Christmas. I've still got mine on the car, do you? (laughs) You know, it's a good thing to advertise. And, and so he saw what a benefit that was, opportunity. And the Lord spoke to him and, you know, pastors don't make a lot of money. It's, why they buy, as Pastor Clark says, $10 shoes. <laughs> you know, we, we look for the best deals. Free is the best. 
But the Lord spoke to him and he said, why don't you think about, you know, you've got some spare time. And your brother, too, you could actually put some signs up because he put the church signs up and he'd lease some ground and built the foundation for the signs. He had a pretty good idea of how he could put other signs up and he could lease them out to businesses that would want to advertise in the Greensburg area. I remember the first time I went on Interstate 4 to Disney World, the signs up there, they're unbelievable. They'll, they'll like rotate and then there's a completely different thing being advertised on the same sign. I was telling my, my brother Bob about this and uh, he said, you know, we're looking into that back in Greensburg too. Those signs, just to give you an idea, cost a quarter of a million dollars. But you can put a lot of stuff on them. And you can sell a lot of, well, he's what he did. He began to put these up, and just a year or two ago, he came to me and he said, you know, my brother and I are going to sell our signs to Lamar Sign Company. You've heard of Lamar, haven't you? They got millions of dollars for just about half of the signs that they had. And he created this foundation. He calls it Stephanus Foundation. And what the foundation does, this is from the sign overflow. When missionaries come in from on furlough and they need a car, they need a place to uh, stay, or they need extra money so they can get around to all the churches that are supporting them, he provides this free of charge. He said, Pastor Steve, I want you to be part of the board of the Stephanus Foundation so that you can help me distribute these funds. That was opportunity. I had this coach in school. He said, there's no such thing as luck. Mr. Zucchelli said, luck is preparation meeting opportunity. It makes sense that you be ready when God gives you the message, when God gives you the important details that you're to follow up on. Many times it's the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so Lot's wife pushed into the future, but she was bound by the past. That was one of her downfalls. Don't let the past destroy you. It can very easily if you start concentrating. And one of the things that I work on in my life, and, and I know you do too, is to forgive people that have wronged you somehow. Maybe not even intentionally. They just said something that rubbed you the wrong way. You know, just forgive them. The Bible says that if you don't forgive people that have wronged you, then I won't forgive you, the Lord says. So we just kind of look at that whole thing and just say, God, uh, I forgive them. I love you. And they may have not even meant what they did. I, even if they did, I'm going to forgive them anyway. So we have that attitude. But Lot's wife was not a godless woman. She wasn't a reprobate, or God would have left her in Sodom and Gomorrah with all the rest of them that were going to be destroyed. God wouldn't have sent the angels to rescue her. She looked back when everything God had for her was in front of her. She, um, why did she, the future was right there. All she had to do was keep walking. Everything God has for us is in the future. That's why we can't dwell on um, victories that we had yesterday uh, because there are new battles today and God would have us look 
forward. Everything God has for us is in the future. No looking back at the old year. Those old mistakes, the old grudges, the old offenses, old hurts, old dilemmas, old things that we went through. And again, the idea is you do not drive a car by looking back in the rearview mirror. You, you won't drive very long that way. I was, my dad left his motor scooter. It's in the garage right now. And I'm not very good at driving motorcycles. I, I don't know, but I figured it's there. I'm going to try it out, you know. And I got it going down the road on Winchester. You know, that's a four-lane highway that looks like a turnpike. It looks like you should be going 65, but they put police cars out there to stop that. So <laughs> I'm running along, and I was surprised at how fast this thing could go. It's only 150 cc, but I was up there. Then I looked down, it was kilometers, not miles per hour, so I felt pretty safe. But when I looked over to turn down Cougar, which is off to the left near where I live, I looked back to see if there was anything in the passing lane, and when I did, the bike went straight and it was on a curb. When I finally turned back around from seeing that the way was clear to get over, I was only this far away from hitting a cement culvert. That's when I knew that I needed to be a lot more careful about looking ahead <laughs> instead of looking back. And so we want to remember that. There's a great baseball player back in Pittsburgh. His name is... McCutcheon, Andrew McCutcheon, one of the best players in baseball. But what he says makes him so great is that when he makes a mistake, he doesn't dwell on it. He forgets it like it's gone. And I watched him one time. He was playing this game. There was a guy on third base, and uh, they needed the out, and he put his hand up there. I don't know why the baseball players do this. They'll put their hands up there with with just one hand like this, when we were taught to play baseball, coach, don't you use two hands. You use two hands. Get the other hand up there close. So if anything happens, you've got the other hand to kind of grab a hold of that thing. But they get nonchalant, you know, and, oh, there it comes. He's looking around, and all of a sudden it hits his glove and then falls out right on the ground. The run on third base scores... And eventually, that was the run that won the game. And I know he felt bad, but when he did his interview, he said, I already forgot that. You've got to forget the failures and concentrate on what makes you successful in life. And that's what God wants us to do, to move on. Get ready to move us. Move quickly because things happen so fast. You need to be ready to move without delay when God prompts you. Do it. Do it right away. He prompts you to get up and go to church. Do it. Want you to be in a Bible study. Do it. Want you to have family devotions. Do it. Do the things that God has called you to do. And don't hesitate because He comes quickly. When Israel crossed the Red Sea, there wasn't a point where you tried to decide, now how safe is this going to be? God had the Egyptians coming. They were going to slaughter the Israelites, they had real divine motivation to get across the Red Sea, and they went quickly. When Peter was delivered by jail, uh, from jail, he, the angel came and quickly the, the chains fell off, grabbed him by the hand, started walking him through the gates until he was on the outside of the city. Finally uh, gets to the room where 
uh, people had been praying for his deliverance and they didn't even believe he was set free, that uh, God had answered their prayers. They didn't believe it right away. Straightway the disciples left their nets to follow Jesus. They were giving up their livelihood because there was something about the Lord. Now, I look at everything that I do in the way of employment as a hobby. This is a hobby. But my main job is ministering. All the other things are just things I do, you know, a hobby. You can do without it when you need to. Straightway, the woman with the issue of blood was healed. And so we need to be ready for that movement of the Lord. When God gets ready to pull the saints out, it'll be so fast, it'll make your head spin. In fact, um, when he comes back, the graves are opened, and those who have died are resurrected first. But then it talks about how quickly people that are left alive on earth are changed. It says, in the twinkling of an eye, it's milliseconds were ushered out of this world to be with the Lord. And we don't want to be attached to anything that's of this world. When I was just younger, I thought, well, you know, if the Lord would come, I won't have time for a family. Lord, I, I won't have time to, to see how this job is going to work out. I won't have time to, to buy a, a, a new car. I won't have time. I started thinking about all the things that I'd be given up and I'd say, can't you just wait a little bit, Lord? But I don't say that anymore. I say, even so, come Lord Jesus. I've been through all this other stuff and it's not worth the wait compared to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to get what God has for us in 2017. We need to leave behind 2016. It's nothing in comparison to what God is going to do. And there are some powerful reasons why this will occur. In Philippians 3.13, brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. Remember Lot's wife. Her body was out. Her head was facing towards Zor. Her hands were holding on to Lot. But her mind was looking back. And that was her dilemma. Josephus lived nearly contemporary with Christ. Christ died, of course, in 30 A.D., 33 A.D. Uh, He was born around 38 A.D. and lived to about 100. But he's, he's contemporary with the disciples. And he said that he was able to see Lot's wife. It's because when the pillar of salt was formed over her, there was a monument there. You could actually see it was clear. The tradition told them that's, that's Lot's wife. That, that's where she looked back, and she's a pillar of salt to this day. Everything else is at the bottom of the Red Sea, but they know there was a city down there. They've been able to do this. Uh, research and take uh, submarines uh, down in there and look and see what's around. There was a whole city buried that you can't see. You can't even imagine when you look at the Dead Sea and you look at that arid area that there was ever any life there. 
But in fact, there was. So Lot's wife is frozen in time. She was coming out, but she was frozen because she looked back. We want to guard against that. You ever think about what if she hadn't looked back? Well, there had been a remarkable change. Lot's daughter would not have gotten him drunk and seduced him. There were two sons born, Ammon and Moab. That would have never happened. They formed cities that caused great destruction and havoc to Israel. Never would occur of occurred. God has brought us out. God has not brought us out to get us stuck in time. He has a plan for our lives. And we need, most of all, to stop looking back. Remember, you're driving the car. You're driving into the future. The windshield's so much bigger than the rearview mirror. Look ahead at what God has for you. Don't look. Don't waste your time in looking back. But look ahead to the blessings that the Lord has for those who are going to obey Him. This is 2017. It's a jubilee year. You know what that means? It's once in the Jewish calendar, uh, every 50-year period, they had seven sevens of, of uh, years, 49 years, and then the 50th year every year was a very special year. What they would have to do in uh, the 49th year was trust the harvest to be great enough that they would have an abundance because they weren't to do anything in the way of cultivating the land in the 50th year. So they had to have enough harvest in the 49th year to trust God to bring that about so that it would sustain them for the 49th year, the 50th year, the new year, the first year of the next set of series of 50 years. That You had to plant the crops again. You had to have enough for three years in that uh, period of rest. You had to have faith that God would provide. But that's not all the year of Jubilee was. All the captives were set free. People would indenture themselves. They would sell themselves as it would be into slavery for however many number of years were left until the year of uh, Jubilee. All property was returned. It was a reset. It's like setting your computer when something goes wrong. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to reset it. Make it like it was before the virus set in. When we stop looking back and we realize 2017, it's a jubilee. My habits can be broken. You know, God's working on us all. Well, you can say, well, you know, I don't smoke and I don't drink and I, 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 don't, uh, I don't have this problem taken care of and that problem taken care of. But, you know, God is still working on me. And he has all these things. You know, when God stops working on you on earth, it's time for you to leave. Oh, I'm ready to leave, but I don't think he's done working on me yet. There's still things that he wants to do in my life to make me more like Jesus. So since that's the case, we want to be absolutely sure that we're looking ahead at what God is going to do and being blessed 
as a result of that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for that three-word scripture. Remember Lot's wife. Help us to find the lesson, Lord, of not looking back to the past for our security, for our purpose in life, but to look ahead at what you would have us do that would glorify your name, how you will use us in a new way to serve you and to put you first in all things, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself. Bless this endeavor, Lord. Bless our fellowship today. Bless all those who have come out to worship you this morning. And we ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for coming. We're going to sing a song. Let's all stand.